Tune your ear to wisdom. Cry aloud for understanding. If you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Welcome to Project Philippians, a deep dive into one of the richest treasure mines in Scripture. I'm delighted to have you join me today for another excavation into an amazing 2,000-year-old book. Hey friends, welcome back to Project Philippians, a 100-episode deep dive into one of the most precious books of history, the book of Philippians. And if you're just joining with us, then I want to encourage you to go back to the very first episode because uh, even though this is episode 8 or 9 or 10, I've lost count, uh, we have yet to actually reach the book of Philippians because we went through a long eight-episode excursion in Acts 16 to the uh, city of Philippi. But today we finally get to open up the first verses of Philippians, and though it took us eight episodes to go through one chapter, um, I, I can assure you that we're going to finally slow down. <laughs> uh, seriously, I, I sometimes think we, we rush through Scripture, and it's so important to slow down. Proverbs says, if you cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You search for it as for treasure. I've got a cousin who owns an opal mine, and uh, she inherited it from her grandfather. And it's it's way out in the wilderness. In fact, they live in the wilderness. They live four hours from the closest paved road. But even where they're at in the remote location, they're still not close to the to the mine. They have to uh, hike for two days over rugged, pathless terrain to get to the opal mine. And they uh, do that a couple times a year, and then they spend two weeks there at the mine. And I can assure you that they are not just scraping things into a bucket and rushing back. What are they doing? They are slowly, meticulously, carefully searching for every little opal. And when they do, they, they treasure it, and they pack it away, and she eventually makes it into jewelry or some other beautiful decor. And uh, it's delightful uh, what they do, but, I, but they're—, they're earnest desire to seek for treasure is what I want in my life as I seek for the treasures of Scripture. So we're going we're gonna to take Philippians very slowly. In fact, today we're not even going to get through the first verse because it is filled with treasures. The first verse itself is filled with so many gems that it's going to take us a couple weeks just to get through that. But let's start with a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, as we come into this book, as we open this precious book, I ask that you would give us eyes to see the treasures and give us the patience and diligence to dig and to search for it as for silver and as for gold because we want to discover the knowledge of God. Only you can do that, Lord. So teach us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Well, let's peel this back. First word, Paul. Paul and Timothy. Now, he starts, as those of you who've studied Paul's books before, you know that all of, most of his books are letters. They're correspondence to uh, his friends. 
And this is no different. He uses the typical format for ancient Greek letters. Uh, it's well known in the papyrus uh, manuscript evidence that there's lots of letters that we still have that uh, start the same way. They start with, it's just like a, the email format of today. You start with a who's it from, who's it to, and what's the subject. That's our email format. It, theirs is similar. It's who's it from, who's it to, and then an opening greeting. And um, so we know that this is a letter to the Philippians uh, because he says so right here. We know from the history that we've studied the last eight weeks that this is this is a precious church to him. It's a church that was uh, that meant a lot to him then, and it has come to mean a lot to him in the meantime. We're going to learn more about the intervening history. And when I say intervening, uh, we got to talk about how how much time has intervened since we closed Acts sixteen. Roughly 10 years have passed until he sits down to write this letter. And uh, we don't know exactly where he was when he wrote it. The only thing we know is that he was in jail. He tells us that uh, down in verse um, 7, I think. He tells us that he was in jail, in prison, in chains when he wrote this letter. But we don't know. uh, Acts tells about four different imprisonments that Paul endured. And we don't know which one it was. The first imprisonment, of course, was Philippi. We read about that in Acts, so it rules that one out. But there's three others, one in Caesarea, one in Jerusalem, one in Rome. Uh, and there may have been others that weren't recorded. But most scholars agree that uh, this was probably written either in Caesarea or in Rome. And, and both of those happened about 10 or 12 years after uh, his second missionary journey, which took him to Philippi. So, it's been 10 or 12 years. There's been quite a bit of correspondence between Paul and the Philippians in that time. We're going to read about that in chapter 2, the different uh, correspondence that has transpired uh, in, in the intervening years. But now he's in prison, and he's thinking about his friends in Philippi. And he's worried about them. We're going to find out why in a little bit, but he's worried about them, but he's also deeply, deeply grateful for them. And so he sets out to write a letter, but he's not alone there in prison. He has a companion with him by the name of Timothy. We learn about Timothy in our earlier episodes. And as you'll recall, Paul joined up with Timothy, or Timothy joined up with Paul, just prior to his first visit to Philippi. And so the Philippians know Timothy well also. And if you'll recall, Timothy was just a young man when he started out with Paul. He was just a teenager. And uh, he was on fire for God. All the churches around his city knew about him, knew about his fire and his passion. And if you want to know how passionate he was, when Paul invited him to come along, he said, oh, by the way, I need you to get circumcised. And as a teenager, you can only imagine what kind of dedication and determination it would take to to follow along with Paul, to, to go through an excruciating uh, surgery like that. But he does. And so here here he is 10 years later. He basically hasn't left Paul's side in all of that time, uh, you know, except for a few assignments that Paul sent him out on. And so here are these incredible men, Paul and Timothy, beloved friends, apostles, pastors uh, to the Philippians. And I'm sure they were delighted to hear from them. And the first thing that Paul says in this letter to introduce himself and Timothy to the Philippians is he says, this incredible word, servants. He doesn't say, Paul and Timothy, great pastors, great apostles, the great wizard of Oz. 
he says, I am a servant. And and actually that word servant, I don't know if it's the best translation. I, I think a better translation is bond servant or slave. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Paul says, we are slaves of Christ Jesus. When Paul thought of himself, he didn't think of himself as a great and high and mighty leader of the church. He thought of himself as a slave of Jesus. That was the first thing that came to his mind. So what does that word mean, the word servant? In Greek, it's doulos. First of all, you probably should think about what it meant to the readers, to the, to the recipients of this letter. The, the Philippians were Romans and Greeks primarily, and so they would have thought of it from their culture. And of course, slavery was very common in Rome. Uh, slave had no rights, no privileges whatsoever. They were completely owned by their master. And so the master had complete control over their lives, complete say in what they did, where they went, what they ate, what they wore. Everything was absolutely up to the master. And so the the Philippians were very familiar with this kind of arrangement. In fact, uh, Paul met a slave when he was there on his first journey to Philippi. We read about that. The, the, the slave girl, the demonic oracle girl who, who was possessed by the devil, so she, was, she had two masters, really. She was enslaved to the devil and enslaved to her earthly masters. And Paul set her free uh, from both. Um, but yet, they, I'm sure there were still slaves in the church at Philippi, and um, they knew well what it meant to be a slave to a master. And so it, it had to be a little bit jarring for them to hear Paul introduce himself as a slave. You know, our English version, some, some of them translated as servant, and um, I, I think that that misses a little bit of the a nuance in this word because in our era, servants are, you know, we think of them as like paid uh, employees or servants in the, in the White House or something like that. And that's not the picture here. This is the, the slavery of those days was, was complete ownership, completely subservient to the master. But of course, to really understand this word, we, we need to probe into what it meant to Paul. What was he thinking when he said, when he introduced himself as a slave? Of course, in the Old Testament, uh, slavery was common. There's lots of laws about slavery and bond slaves and so forth. And one of the pictures that we have about slavery comes in Exodus chapter 21 where the Jews were told that if you buy a servant, he is to serve you for six years, but in the seventh year, he is to go free. But if the servant should declare, I love my master, and I do not want to go free, then his master will bring him to the judges, and he will bring him to the door or doorposts, and his master will pierce his ear with an awl, and that servant shall serve him forever or for life. And this, this picture of a voluntary commitment to the master, I think, has to be part of what is in Paul's mind. He is a bond slave, but he is excited about that. He is thankful for that. I've got this story. Uh, when I was in high school years and years ago, I had uh, two good buddies who we met and studied the Bible like this on a weekly basis. We had breakfast together, and we would we were going through this book, and we got to this verse, 
And we got to this word bond slave and we're researching some of that history and uh, this idea that a bond slave is somebody who is basically stuck with their master forever, but they're happy about it. And so one of the guys, I don't remember which one it was, said, they're stuck and stoked. (laughs) We all cracked up at that phrase and we wanted to make t-shirts that say stuck and stoked, bond servants of Christ, stuck and stoked. That, that is the picture of a man who, who is absolutely subservient, who's given themselves over to the Lord Jesus. And they bow before him as a complete servant, willing to do whatever the master commands, but they are excited about it. They're stoked about it. And I believe that that is part of what is in Paul's mind when he's writing this. He is stoked to be stuck. Of course, being a servant in the Old Testament, you know, wasn't just for the lowly and the insignificant uh, and the bottom of society. Uh, Moses is called a servant of God. David, Joshua, several of the prophets, these men, these leaders of the community were called servants or slaves of God. And so Paul is is coming right alongside these others and saying, yes, that I want to join the roles of those who have committed their lives to God and committed it wholeheartedly and, and without reservation. I am a slave. Of course, the biggest picture, the best picture of what it means to be a slave is described in, in this very book, chapter 2, when Paul talks about Jesus himself. In 2, 6, he describes Jesus as one who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, a doulos, same word. Jesus himself, king of the universe, became a servant. And so now Paul and Timothy have sworn themselves to the lordship of Christ, and they consider themselves first and foremost, above all of their other roles, above all of their other titles or responsibilities, they consider themselves slaves of Jesus. Friends, is that the first thing that comes to your mind when you think of your relationship to God? You know, perhaps um, some of us, I, I have to confess, even myself, sometimes I think of my relationship to God more on um, a voluntary basis, you know, like a, like a servant, like an employee, somebody I could, you know, change my mind whenever I want. I can, you know, kind of do it the way I want to do it. But that is not the picture that Paul has in his mind. To be a slave of Christ is to be owned by God. He bought us He purchased us, and now we are owned by him. But we are also bond slaves. We've gone to the doorpost, and we've said, I love my master. I want to serve him. Lord, pierce my ear so that it will be permanent evidence that I don't ever want to serve any other master or any other Lord. You are my Lord. You are my God. You are my King. Well, friends, there's lots more I could say about this word, but that's all the time we have for today. So let me close in a word of prayer. High King of heaven, we come before you freely, willingly, and eagerly and say, Lord, we love you. We want you to be our master. We want to be your slave. 
to serve you for the rest of our lives, that you would be in charge and in control, to trust you to provide, but to also trust you to direct. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for the privilege of being your servant, your bondservant, stuck and stoked. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. It's been an honor to have you spend this time with me, but don't let it end here. May the words of God continue to resonate in your heart and transform your life until the day you meet our glorious King and Savior face to face.